Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Anne Marie Lockhart. You are listening to Vox Poetica's 15 Hi, everyone. This is Anne-Marie Lockhart. You're listening to Vox Poetica's 15 Minutes of Poetry, and I am coming to you today with a wonderful writer from Europe. This has been a hard thing for us to arrange, but we've finally got it together. I have Dom Gabrielli with me. Hi, Dom. Thank you for Hi, being everybody. with me today. Um, Hi, if you can hear me. Yeah, we can hear you great. Um, he's going to be reading from his new chapbook called The Strange Frenzy Dom, um, I would love for you to open with a poem and a quote for us, if you will. Okay. So this is uh, poem number five from the uh, collection. Into you, I tiptoed with the honey of morning dew dripping from renewed limbs. Into you I slipped with the light foot of lifting mists, blossoming pinks and molds. Into you I strengthened with petals of dolcezza, kissing the pink rising of a sun dressed in orange hazes. Into you free from the vessels of hate, drinking ancient wines from the tipsy chalice of kiss. Into you. I have always been before you and after you. Love of my loves. Now that's poem five. Yeah, the quote. Let's have the quote. So the quote, the excerpt which um, I wrote to you is this. What is the body? The shadow of a shadow of your love that somehow contains the entire universe. We could talk for hours just about how you got the poem from the quote. So, but we need to know. So, how did you get the poem from the quote? <clears throat> That's a very tricky question. <laughs> um, I, I I think that um, it's a very unconscious process, and I think the whole uh, the whole book, the whole process of writing this particular book stems from a very obscure part of the mind, a very obscure part of memory, and um, an attempt not to be at all conscious about what I was writing. And um, so it's very, very blind kind of writing, very um, quite quick. And, and um, you know, you, it just comes out, you, you, you write it, you write it, and then you look at it and you think, hmm, 
that's what you came up with. Um, mm-hmm. But um, there, there's definitely a, a sense in which um, I wanted to, to get to the uh, very enigmatic uh, sort of uh, the, the roomy that is sort of rather difficult to understand, and you almost need to unravel you know, these sort of sentences which are which are like sort of uh, nuts or something that you have to open. You have to kind of chew, and then you have to um, taste them. Um, it's a very kind of almost like a physical thing. And um, so, you know, sometimes the the the, the, the writing would come very quickly. Uh, it was always written quickly, but not necessarily immediately. Um, but I definitely wanted to keep that immediacy, uh, you know, even after. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There wasn't very much kind of correction, if you like, and I think that's mm-hmm. kind of one of the quite nice things about it. It flows. It flows well, and I, you know, you, I wanted to um, touch back to something you said about chewing and taste, which is a very sensory quality to um, not only the quotes themselves, of course, always with Rumi's stuff, you blend that sensory and the mystical, but also in the poems themselves, and um, and sometimes in a direction we don't expect it to go, but it, it it doesn't seem like it's off the trail. It just seems like it's taking you farther down the road, and I think that's a very nice experience when reading this book. Um, how did you decide it was going to be 17 quotes, or and these 17 quotes particularly that you were going to use as the bases for the book? Um. Well, the 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 way the way this was written is is um, it's quite interesting because it was a book that I this is the book that I had was a collection of Rumi writings that I'd probably read several times and you know annotated and scribbled on and um, <laughs> you know it was really a book that had lived lived a long life and and um, for some reason, it was sitting there one day on my bookshelf, and I took it down and started reading again. I thought, ooh, this is really, you know, speaking to me again. You know how books, they speak to you mm-hmm. at different times, different times mm-hmm. of your life. And this is, and, um, you know, I just read it, and uh, more scribbles, and um, and then one day I went through it again, and I sort of just jotted down the, possibly the, the um Excerpts that I thought were the most interesting to me at that time. Mm. Um, I didn't realise at the time they were nearly all of them about love. Mm. That was uh, that was quite unconscious. And uh, I just started playing with them, writing to them. And um, seventeen, I'm unfortunately going to say to you, is, is accidental. <laughs> it's, it's a it's such a dialogue, and the number seems very right when you read it. It all seems it doesn't seem any too many. It's I mean we could read it forever. We would want more, but it's a nice, very neat package of quotes and your responses to them, and it gives you plenty of room to um, take them all in and to revisit and to go back and forth between the quote and the poem, which I like quite a bit too. Um, yeah, I, how did you place I, them in order? I don't know. You know, it's one of those things. I think there's an order to things, um, uh, and I think there's there's a way there's a way in which books books just fit themselves together. Um, yeah. Uh, I know that uh, you know editors are very important and publishers are very important and you know all these kind of things, but I do think that there is a kind of uh, if you like an imminent 
structure to a book, and you need mm-hmm. to find you need to find itself almost. Um, and you know, you as a you as a poet or you as a writer are you can almost be rejected from your own books. You know, you can be <laughs> you, you you can you can be putting this thing together, and you think, oh, well, what are you doing here? You've got nothing. You shouldn't be doing this. You know, as if the book's telling you, okay, that's it, finish now. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I had that quite strangely in a few a few occasions, and I think poems do that to you as well. You know, you can go over and over them, and then you can just ruin them. Um, yeah. But you know. The um, when you decided, you know, actually, you made my job very easy with this book because as an editor, <laughs> there was not a lot for me to do. <laughs> you like you said, it came to me alive already. It didn't need um, it didn't need any help. But what we did do, um, this was our, the first chapbook published by Undone Content, so we wanted to make sure it, it uh, fit with what your vision was for it, with what, um, what, what it should kind of represent and as, a, as kind of the hallmark, you know, first product, it should have its own um, appeal to it. And I think that it does that, and I think one of the, the keys to that is the art would you tell us a little bit about how the art came to be such a beautiful part of this book? Um, I think, well, I, I definitely would like to thank you very much for um, all the work that you put into it. I think that your suggestions in terms of uh, particularly the, the shape of the book, the uh, format was very, very interesting, and I think it works really well. And I think that um, there's a very interesting... Um, play with with white space also in the book. And there's a lot of the, the really breeze, you know. Yeah, you almost get the impression that it's almost like on some of it's written on a wall, you know, on a kind of, I, I like it a lot. And I think that the um you know the the um artwork uh, which is a lot of it is copies of uh Persian art, Persian decor, de- decorative art. Mm-hmm. Um, by Emily Ficini, who's her, who's herself in a professional illustrator. That's what she does, and she's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so she gives it her hand, I and mean, you get her line, if you like. Mm-hmm. So you know, in a way, she's doing to the artwork, to the drawings, what I'm doing to the poetry, you know, in a kind of way. So there's a mirror, there's a mirroring on that, on that, which is interesting. Um, and uh, you know the the we we went through things together. We looked at uh, lots and lots of books, and we said, "Oh, that looks interesting. That looks interesting." And then she just came up with all these lovely drawings. And really, there was uh, there was nothing to eliminate. It was all you know, perfect. It was, and it, it just underscores. It's another layer. It's another layer of texture to the work itself. Um, one of the things that we had talked about, you and I, is that way that Rumi particularly and the work that you have done here specifically um, breaks the boundaries of time and geography and culture and speaks to a universality. You know, um, some of that is that you chose the topic of love, but not, but it's, it's bigger than that somehow. And in the language that you use, um, I think you get to that. You explore a lot of space, but the space is not one person's. It's kind of a collective space. 
And I don't know, um, tell me a little about whether you, you thought about that when you did it or that evolved and you noticed it later. How, how did that, how did that interact with you? Um, yeah, I think that's really important. And I think that um, one also has to think about the times that we live in. And, uh, you know, this is really, uh, we're really talking about a very particular type of freedom, which mm-hmm. um, artistic freedom, freedom of expression, mm-hmm. um, and and it's this, the, the, the type of sensuality that uh, one would hope that you uh, understand in this book or you can get a feel for is something that is not really permitted in a lot of places um, particularly where you know this this um, particular work uh, derives from you know right. Persia today is a place of you know extreme uh, it's very difficult you know for women and for art, artistic expression of all, to- of all types you know? and I think right. that uh, uh, so, so one's communicating, if, if you like, with that part of art which won't give in, which is going to be uh, always, always um, expressing itself under all conditions. And I think that um, you know what Rumi does is, is to um, to really underline the links that there may be between freedom of thought and freedom mm-hmm. to express oneself almost physically. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and then, of course, the link uh, that one gets to, towards a higher form of spirituality, which, of course, within most collective and established religions is not really how things operate because they end up being very uh, uh, disembodied uh, forms of worshipping that have become very dogmatic and uh, authoritarian mm-hmm. in a way. So that's, it's very, very interesting, and I think it's very radical still. Um, and so if that's a form of timelessness, then, you know, great, albeit um, that for me is perfect. Uh, I think that in terms of the notion of love, and I think you're right to say that it, it's, not a, it's not really a, it's not a, a love of an object. Even if one could Possibly I could sort of say to myself, well, are you, are you identifying something that is uh, tangible within your own existence? Maybe there, there's a line, maybe there, there's another. But you're talking about, and I think that's where it communicates with Rumi also, is the, is the uh, timelessness and, or, uh, or spacelessness almost of this notion of love. That ha- can you, can you um, extract from a love relationship between a man or a woman or whatever, something that is a universal form of love or a timeless form of love that somehow is made of sensations or made of a sensuality which is um, almost stronger than the actual act of love. Does that make sense to you? I don't know. Um, yeah. But I think you're talking about something along those lines, you know, something, something there or thereabouts. You know, we didn't talk as much about the spirituality of it, and I think that you raised an excellent point about that. When we we, we in our in today's language, spirituality gets lost to dogma and conversation and dispute. But what runs rife through this work is a very living spirituality, and it's almost corporal, and it it entwines elements of physicality, sensuality, emotion. Um, and, you know, I think I think that's very common in 
mystical writing and mystical religious work, you, you do find that to be there, but it's something we don't focus on very much today. And I, that's one of the things that really spoke to me in this, uh, in this book, in the work that you chose of Rumi's to highlight, as well as the work that you then created out of it. And it's also very present in Emily's art. You know, I think that's something she captures really well here. It's very hard to put your finger on how, but there's a quality to her sketches that is alive with this very same attribute. And, um, and I think it's impossible to read this without permeating you. You know, that just comes through you. You just feel it as you read the work itself. And I, I think that that's one of its great appeals. Um, when I read it the first time, that really leapt out at me right away. And, I, and it, it still does. Every time you read it, I think you feel a little more of that. Um, people are reacting very well to this work. I know that um, people have been putting their reactions up in a bunch of different places, and um, then that keeps coming in. We keep hearing good things, and, and that's always nice. Has any of the reviews surprised you in any way? Um, I think I think that the um, and we touched on this a little bit privately. I think that the um, the rather lovely uh, thing that you're getting from these uh, disparate reviews which are coming from all over the place is that they're very personal um, and they're very they're very they're very singular responses and they don't they're very different one from the other you know one review may may touch on the sensuality another on the more spiritual side of it another on the more on the 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 use of pronouns or the, a more a more kind of literary reaction to the actual language that's used or the tenses or you know so uh from that point of view i think we've been quite lucky because if you i don't know compare something like uh, what marilyn uh, basil did or what leila fortier did or what michelle williams did yeah. you know you have three very very different reactions but all all of them very enthusiastic and very um engaged with the work you know they're really yeah uh, they're, they're, they're dialoguing strongly with the with the text. It's it's almost as interesting to read their reactions as it is to read the work. It makes you want to go back and read it again to you know to understand a little more about what they saw in it um, and where it might differ from my own reading or where that may illuminate something that I hadn't seen before. I think that's almost part of it. Most it almost becomes a a conversation not simply between writer and reader. In this case, that that crosses two generations. So you have the original writer, you know, and then you have you and then you become the next writer and then your readers. It's a it's a it's, it takes on a lot of different exponential um growth right there alone. But then when you get this conversation that emerges, it's not a it's not a two-way conversation, but it almost becomes a room full of people talking at once, which is, you know, amazing when that happens. Definitely. Um, I, I have another quick question for you before we close because we're running totally out of time. But I did want to ask you. We could go so, all night. We could. I know it's ridiculous. This 15 minutes. <laughs> it's so limiting, Dom. Um, when you write, well, you write in different languages. You're fluent in multiple languages. What made you decide to write this in English? Well. Um, it's interesting, but I, for many years, uh, was uh, French literature 
mm-hmm. student student reader was very involved with French literature, and I was convinced that I had to write in French. And mm. I wrote, I did write a lot in French. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I I've just with the help of um, my friend Leticia, just translated my second book, uh, The Parallel Body, into French, and that should be coming out quite soon. Um, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, it's tricky. Um, but um, I realized uh, I realized that I had to write in English. Uh, I don't know exactly, I can't pinpoint exactly when that was, but uh, I mean, I can write in, in French quite well, uh, but it's never going to be like this. And I mm-hmm. think that, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the type of writing that I want to do, which is very, um, it's quite in contact with a kind of unconscious part of myself and memory and, and, and unknowing rather than knowing, you know, in a kind of very blind, in a way, sensual kind of writing. Um, you have to write in your mother tongue, and English is my mother tongue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I started with English, even if I was, you know, listening to other languages at the same time, I was schooled in English and I think that's it now. That's me done, done for. It's going to be English. Do you think, um, it, how do you think the work might have been different in a, in, in French or even Italian? Um, what do you think elements might have been brought out of this that would be a little bit different? Uh, or none, maybe none, maybe none at all. I'm not sure. What do you think? I mean, I think I think that, uh, I think, you, I mean, I don't know how good your French is, but you'll find that the, the parallel body in French, I think, works really well. Mm-hmm. But, the, the thing is that with, you know, there's a way in which the writing that I have, the, the, the work in English, which is, which I, it's, you know, something that I think is it's not something I, I consciously set out to do, but it is the way in which the language, sometimes you get the work, the sentences, you have the impression the sentences almost kind of on the edge, you know, they're, 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 they're sort of un, difficult to understand, but yet they're sort of, can still be understood. I mean, there's a there's a kind of stylistic uh, element um, which I I, I, you know, I don't do it on purpose, but um, and that that kind of uh, uh, slightly uh, fragile nature that you get in some mm-hmm. of the 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 you know is physical almost like a physical thing in which the sentences are slightly fragile. You get the impression they might kind of collapse or they might you know mm-hmm. they're on the edge sort of a little bit. I don't know if this makes any sense, but and that's what's really hard to, to to translate or to get in another language because that's the stylistic idiosyncrasy, if you like. You know, um, I, I could possibly. I think find you're right. It, it feels it feels to me structural almost. You know, like yeah, um, the way a sentence works in French and the way it works in in Italian and Spanish is so different. You know, it, it's so different from what we do with it in English, and that. You know, it's not good, bad, or otherwise. It's just different, and I, it lends itself in a very different way. To, I think um, that w- it would have been a more ethereal book, possibly, if you'd written it in either of those languages. Um, and and I don't, and I, this this book feels to me what I, one of the things that I like about it is this almost ironic, um, very durable construction that supports the ethereal idea. Do you know what I mean? It's not. Like there is nothing, uh, the words themselves, the sentences themselves have body and they have strength and they have, uh, they're a support mechanism for the ideas. When I think that 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 really is something I feel when I read this work, it just, the the writing itself supports the rest of it in a very, very durable way. Um, And I think some of that is a linguistic thing. 
Let's read the last, the, uh, well, not the last poem in the book, but the other poem that we had talked about you reading, which I believe was 15. Um, if you would read that and the quote to us as well, that would be great. So the quote, the quote comes afterwards, yeah? Yeah, I like it that That's way. I want, want people it. to hear it first, the poem, and then the okay. quote. <laughs> All right. So, so it's actually not 15, it's going to be 14. Um, okay. And it's um, the one that uh, Leila Forte prefers, so I have to... Uh, Perfect. Uh, this is uh, a little present for her when she, re- when she listens to this. Break away from what you are and fall into me with the lifeless insouciance of the unborn. Do not turn your eyes back on the bending sphere of time. Throw me higher than light falls on a leaf. Kiss me there in the vanishing dew of dawn. Every word I write has been to travel here, to where the dew evaporates, to where your fingers expose the inaccurate beauty of love, to touch with my lips the opening of the heavens. Let me find the quote now. Yeah. So I've got this on my computer. Here we go. So that was written to this. The inner secret of that which was never born. You are that freshness, and I am with you now. <laughs> that was a, a lovely one. I, they're all lovely, of course. That kind of goes without saying. I think it's impossible to do Rumi any justice and not make it a lovely piece. Um, you did not struggle with that at all, though, so... Thank you for that. What are you working on now, Dom? Um, I don't know. I'm working on so many different things. I, I, I need to get my head around doing something one thing at a time. Uh, it's not very good. I'm not doing it really that <laughs> way. Um, so I'm not really quite sure what to say to that, to be honest. Um, well, then tell us how are the olives doing, Dom? They had a rough summer. They've had a very rough summer. No rain since the 12th of May. Mm. Oh, my. That's not... That's an awful long time, and so, you know, it's going to be me running around with hose pipes before long, because uh, <laughs> if it doesn't if it doesn't rain now within the next two three weeks, I've got to have to start watering, which is bad. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm sending thoughts for rain and hopes for rain and uh, rain wishes to you and okay, to the you. olives. And I thank you for taking this time. I'm glad we got this to work today. We had such a hard time last time, but um, it worked beautifully today. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day, Dom, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you you enjoyed it, and I hope you go find a strange frenzy to be every bit as interesting as Dom and I do. You can find links to where to purchase that at unboundcontent.com. Um, Amazon.com, Amazon in all of its iterations, Europe and Great Britain have their versions. You can buy it there too. Um, You can see wonderful reviews of the work as well. So uh, pick up the book, read it, and then lend your voice to the conversation. We would love to hear what you have to say about it. Have a great weekend, everyone, rest of the weekend, whatever we're at here. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.